0: Monday. That means it is new episode of Lost Origins. I'm uh, Andrew and we're really really stoked to have you with us today. Before we jump into this week's episode, we have to tip the proverbial hat to the homies over at Inner Traditions and Baron Company. Much love to them as always. Um, hop over to innertraditions.com and you can scoop up tons of different books and resources, all things focused on ancient history, ancient mysteries, alternative historical theories, esoteric knowledge, spirituality, so many amazing, amazing rabbit holes for you to jump down. We highly recommend it, and they are an incredible organization. you are back. This week's episode of Lost Origins is also brought to you by our good friends over at The Great Courses Plus. I know we've been talking about this platform for quite some time, and if you guys have not jumped in and checked it out yet, man, pause the episode and do it now because it is so, so worth it. I've been exposed to so many different online resources for learning, uh, learning management systems, online curriculums. But I got to say, the Great Course Plus has done it on a level I've never experienced before. The quality of these courses is just so high. And like TK and I have said in the past, it is much like attending an Ivy League school, but without the the tuition following you around. And if you're busy, if you're trying to manage the daily delta, your life, this is a great way for you to learn literally anything at a time and pace that's convenient for you. You hop in and you can jump down any different rabbit hole as it relates to topic, genre, focus. And so this week, the course that we are going to be focusing on is Big History, The Big Bang, Life on Earth, and the Rise of Humanity. If you were a fan of the way that we kicked off season three with Dr. Brian Keating, man, this is an episode for you. This connects complex concepts from geology, history, anthropology, biology, cosmology, and many more to provide the big picture of the history of the universe and our place. In it. it's an awesome way of bringing all of these disciplines together to get the 35,000 foot view of, of again, the big picture. And we're not just talking like a small picture either, right? Like we're talking uh, a chronology that spans over 13 billion years. So it's one that we highly recommend. CK and I both have really enjoyed it and we know it's going to be right up. So the great course Plus is going to hook you guys up with a completely free month of access to the platform. You'll be able to jump in, check out different courses, make sure that you you like the way that they're presenting the content, which we know you will. And then from there, you're, you're able to decide whether or not you want to continue to use the platform, right? So like literally the risk-free approach to checking this out. CK and I highly recommend it. And so once again, jump over to thegreatcourseplus.com slash lostorigin and scoop up that free month. All right, so let's talk about today's show. Today, we are welcoming Mary Rodwell to the show for the first time. Really, really excited to do so. The conversation that we were able to have with Mary was one hell of a ride and definitely a mind bender. Uh, Mary is recognized internationally as one of Australia's leading researchers and writers in the UFO and uh, contact phenomenon areas. Uh, she's also the author of the highly acclaimed book, Awakening, How Extraterrestrial Contact Can Transform Your Life. And she's the producer of EBE award-winning documentaries. Those include Expressions of ET Contact, a Visual Blueprint, and Expressions of ET Contact, a Communication and Healing Blueprint. Her latest book, The New Human, which describes and documents star children, uh, was released in 2016. That was met with high acclaim. And so today, we are really, really excited to jump in. And uh, just pick her brain on, on what this new human concept is. We're going to be looking at human DNA, reality dysfunction, and so much more. So join CK and I for a conversation with Mary Rodwell.
1: Hello, Mary Rodwell. How are you doing?
2: Hello, lovely to speak with you.
0: No, we really appreciate it. Thank you for making time for us today. And you are calling into the show all the way from Australia, which is really cool. We appreciate that. I know there's a time difference there. So thank you for hanging with us. It's a pleasure. And so, Mary,
1: you know, we know you are a really multifaceted professional. You're a professional counselor, a, a clinical hypnotherapist. You're a former nurse and a midwife. You've brought life into the world. Um, and most recently, you wrote uh, a new book, The New Human, Awakening to Our Cosmic Heritage. Um, but for those who aren't you know, familiar with your work, uh, who haven't been to your website, um, can you give us the, an overview of kind of your your professional career, You know, how you got interested into all the things that you're interested in, and how you got to this moment?
2: Well, in a precy, um, as you said, I was a nurse and a midwife, and you would have probably, uh, a lot of your audience will probably wonder how on earth. A nurse and a midwife, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, ends up traveling the world talking about aliens. And, (laughs) you know, 40 years ago, if you would told me that that was my future, I'd have probably sent you to the nearest psychiatrist. (laughs) So a lot has happened. And it it was a a process, really, going from, you know, um, the conventional healing in uh, the medical profession to counseling. And the great thing with counseling is you get to hear all sorts of human experience, you know, and I did that for, you know, um, I have done that ever since, along with everything else. And grief and bereavement, people facing their mortality, they start to tell you about unusual experiences when they open up, because Mm -hmm. if if you're working with someone who's facing their mortality, for example, they want to know is the life after death, you know, Um, others that have lost someone close to them may say, you know what? I've often wondered if, if mum was around after I d di- yeah, you know, after she died, because I had a feeling she was, or I sensed her around, or I, you know, I feel she talks to me, or these kinds of things. So I suppose what I'm saying is I slowly opened my understanding of reality, mm-hmm. um, to put it to me. And you know, I've, I've been an avid worm most of my life. If it was a subject that was weird and wonderful, I w- usually had a book on it because I found the mystery of being on this planet, what we're here for, what's it all about. As many of you, and this particular you know, podcast is all about looking at beyond what you're being taught or educated to believe uh, about ourselves. And we know that it's an edited version. Yeah, You all know. I know that. And the fact was that when you get to the point of are we alone, what was fascinating to me, I'd never really looked at that until a gentleman walked through the door. He was middle-aged, very articulate and intelligent, and he said to me, Mary, there are support groups for everything but this. For this, they just think you're a loony, and proceeded to tell me about his family's experiences, his partner was having experiences. He was waking up with marks on his body, shaved areas on his legs. His children were having experiences. The relatives wouldn't even come to the house because they thought it was demons. And he said, can you help? And fortunately, like the synchronicities in our lives, I'd read two books only a few weeks prior to this. And one of them was by um, Dr. John Mack, a former um, head of psychiatry at Harvard University, writing. And he wrote the book, initially as a skeptic, um, and he came, he was exploring people with these experiences, and he did all the psychological testing, and came to the conclusion in his book, Abduction, Human Encounters with Aliens. And he believed them. And he also wrote Passport to the Cosmos. Mm. Also, I'd read Communion, Dr. Whitley Streber's book, the classic about his own experiences as, a, as an author. And fortunately, having read those, I was a little bit more prepared to look into this and you know, and think to myself, okay, if this is a reality, and I certainly didn't know for sure, um, these people, whatever ha- it, this is about, they need help. And that's my job. I'm a counselor. I'm there to help people work through whatever the experience is, mm-hmm. whether it's physical or non-physical. But of course, uh, that was really the start. And three and a half thousand people later, families, children. Um, I've got a huge amount of data now about a whole range of ways that um, people interact with these non-human intelligences. And there is no doubt in my mind, it's right across the planet. I'm emailed from all over the globe with people that are telling me about their own experiences, about their children's experiences, and desperate to get information, help, at least someone to listen to them Mm -hmm. more than anything else. And, you know, um, if you like my life and why I wrote The New Human and also Awakening, the book, prior to that, because as a therapist, I wanted to be able to offer information that would help people work things out for themselves.
1: Wow. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's I'm so, so rad. So glad that you went from uh what you were doing before, uh, to providing so many uh important moments for people who
0: otherwise didn't have a place to turn. For sure, for sure. And three and a half thousand people, I mean that's you know, that's considerable. No, yeah, that's that's not a a small number by any means. So let's talk real quick, Mary, about your recent book uh for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um so your 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 latest book, The New Human, I believe that came out in two thousand sixteen. That explores some fascinating encounter experiences like you had talked about, but it also pokes at human DNA, reality dysfunction, uh, and so many more talking points that we're going to we're gonna rip into today. Let's set the stage, though. If you could just hit us with an overview of the book, I think that would be super helpful for our listeners so they know what to expect when they grab a copy of it.
2: Absolutely. And I really put my profession on the line with this because what I discovered anything else that there seems to be a huge program or agenda um, in terms of what's happening with humanity and that for me I wrote this, this book because everyone wanted to know what was going on why they were having experiences, what was it all about um, and that's what I wanted to know is if Thousands of people, maybe even millions, and I believe that's probably the case, are having these experiences. What does it mean? What does it say about us? And why are these intelligences interested in us? And the one thing I noticed, well, there were several patterns that were significant, one of them was the intergenerational link between um, people in the family that had experiences. I discovered often it was either their parents and their grandparents, et cetera, that had had something going on. And from that, even the children and of course the grandchildren. So it was intergenerational, which was fascinating because they were working with certain genetic lines. So what did that mean, for example? And the other thing was that I, I found quite significant is each generation appeared to be that little bit more aware, this a little bit more um, conscious of their multidimensional nature. In other words, more psychic, if you want, You know uh, that's that's a very um, you know a word everybody understands. But by psychic, I mean more intuitive, um, able to see things that the rest of us don't see so easily because we only see one percent of visual spectrum for a start. Whereas these individuals, um, over the generations, seem to be able to see energy fields, able to see spirits, able to see orbs of light, um, able to see feel things that we call our know, hologram. hologram um, tapping into consciousness or the
0: hologram you know it's pretty crazy too that I mean we've had several conversations with different folks exploring uh, extraterrestrial phenomena and uh, you know abduction experiences all things in that space and every one of those conversations does eventually poke at the the, the intergenerational component of it mm-hmm. um, I found that to be super fascinating and I feel like maybe it's we finally have enough data to actually compare multiple experiences um, and instances of this happening throughout the globe to to actually see that whoa 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 hold on there is a, a common denominator here there are patterns and so I I, I think it's I agree it's very very fascinating um, it's very interesting that that the intergenerational piece is is you know and it pretty also frequently from applied. a
1: scientific perspective just makes a lot of sense right for sure I mean you know these experiences in general if they're exactly the way that uh, people are describing. And people are selected, you know, for some sort of experimentation, um, you know, just like we pre-screen genetics for mm-hmm. our own human experiments. I don't see why any other intelligence wouldn't follow suit with saying, sure. hey, these specific markers are what we're interested in. Right. Um, and it, I think specifically that leads into, you know, one of the really interesting aspects of of some of what we discuss with people over time is, you know, that people have these uh believable unbelievable extraordinary incredible you know people throw out so many of these words and one of the cool things about uh you know what you're working on here is that you really uh, start with the the conception that these are true experiences Mm -hmm. um and you know one of the at the on your book specifically talks about how uh, our cosmic heritage explores the diversity of encounter experiences with non-human intelligences these are true accounts from families and children many of whom have full conscious recall of past lives being educated on spacecraft and have been prepared for their Earth mission in specific ways. So um, I think one of the cooler things that uh, people really want to hear, too, is just trying to understand some of these accounts. So could you break down a, a couple of these experiences um, for our audience? Yeah.
0: Well, the, the
2: most important thing first is to say that um, I've been working with an organization called the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for um, research into extraterrestrial extraordinary experience. And we did a survey, 600 questions, 4,200 individuals right across the globe. Um, and it was orchestrated by a professor of psychology, Dr. John Clemo, and a neuroscientist, Dr. Bob David. And what we discovered, and this is the significant. Of this, because as you're saying, experiences that you know, um, how do you believe them if they're out of our 3D understanding? And what we discovered, <clears throat> excuse me, was very profound. We discovered that 25% of this was physical, 75% was non physical. In other words, many of those individuals having experiences were having them out of body, not with their physical body. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. And that was why it was so hard for the nuts and bolts ufologists that want to see a piece of the craft or they, you know, they want more tangibility, they're not going to get it because a lot of the time it's the consciousness being the body that's having the experience. And many of people say, Oh, I've had dreams of being on spacecraft and what have you, but I didn't know if it was just a dream. And I'd say to them, How long have you remembered that? And they'll say, Oh. I've remembered that dream for the last 20 years. I said, so you still think it's a dream? Interesting. Right. If, if if you are taken in a trance state, you may very well believe it to be a dream. But if you've still remembered it after 20 years and it was that significant, it, it is certainly not a dream. Um, it's just that you've gone in that that state that makes you think it's such because normal dreams are gone within minutes. The other thing, being a therapist, first before researcher, The important thing with that was, I wasn't there to judge the experience. I was there to listen to how they understood their experience and help them work through it in what it meant to them, um, how they choose to understand it, and how they choose to integrate it so that it no longer is destabilizing to them. It wasn't for me to say, oh, well, I believe that or I don't believe that. Because the one thing, guys, that's really important to me is that I don't know what I don't know. Sure,
1: we, we feel the same way.
2: You know, you can't judge something just because it's not your experience. Mm. I remember talking to a breakfast show once uh, many years ago, and the question um, she said to me is, oh, so you believe them then? I said, well, let's put it like this. I've never been to Alaska. If people <laughs> come to me, they tell me about their trip to Alaska. They show me pictures of it, they explain their experience. I may never go to Alaska, but I've got to believe Alaska exists. So this is the same thing. It's not my personal experience, but how dare I have the arrogance to decide that I know what reality is and they don't. So the second part of that is, how many people have similar experiences? And when you see the patterns of experience, there are so many that are standard with somebody having encounters. And you know, there's questionnaires out there, I've got a questionnaire in the books as well, saying, "Uh, do you relate to any of this? And you would be amazed at how many people relate to the questions. And I remember very profoundly, a gentleman in his 60s contacted me and said, I've had lots of really strange experiences, you're probably going to think I'm crazy. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll send you a questionnaire, tell me how you go. So I did that. Within 24 hours, this this gentleman got back to me. He was extremely emotional and teary. And he he said to me, how do you know about my life? Hmm. And I, well, plainly, I don't, but I do know about experience. And this is the bottom line, is when you've got hundreds of people saying the same things. And I'm talking about not just children, I'm talking about all professions, doctors, nurses, social workers, psychiatrists, um, politicians, um, celebrities, you name it, have been in contact with me. Many of them can't talk about it because of their professions, etc. cetera, et um, All I'm hearing is the same kinds of things. And it's a broad spectrum from people who have been oh, terrified that still, you know, the whole thing freaks them out. They think they're losing the plot right through to those that say, you know what? This has been the most amazing experience of my life because it's opened me up to so much that I didn't know. Because one of the amazing things with this, and when people say, what's the reality? I said, first of all, it changes their perspective of who they are, what they are, um, uh, what life means to them. I said, they go from materialistic values, they go from um, wanting to fit into the 3D world they expand their horizons. They start looking into truth. Some of them get fascinated with quantum physics, astronomy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Many of them change their diet, their lives. They um, let go of all of the materialistic values. They focus on a whole range of new things to do with consciousness, spirituality. And the one fact that doesn't surprise me now, after my research, is we discovered that eighty-five percent of those were asked you know, uh, sorry, 100%, they were asked, what do you, you know, how do you feel about your experiences now? And 85% of them said that they'd experienced a psycho-spiritual transformation. Mm. Only 15% were still in the fear place, but the rest of them said they would never change it, even though initially it was scary.
1: And so Mary- when you When you think about um, you know the specific kinds of trends or similarities in some of these experiences, what are some of the most common things that you hear um, mm-hmm. these individuals experiencing?
2: Well, the first thing is many of them feel quite um, strange on this planet. I'll say, you know i've never I felt like I've never belonged. Um, I feel my body's too dense. I feel I'm from somewhere else. I mean, and these are not quantifiable in 3D terms, their feelings or So That's the first thing. Some of them will say, you know, I remember I came from somewhere else. And often that's the children mostly that will say, and they've, I've got children of six and seven telling me that they're, you know, they'll remember the planet they're from. They'll remember one little 10 year old was telling me that he was in a blue um, body. He explained that this is his very first earth life and he's come in with an understanding that he's to help with the pollution, that that's part of his job, part wow. of his mission. Um, another child told me he remembers being a will-o'-the-wisp, a spirit, um, working out what he needed to do on this planet. In other words, deciding what kind of life he was gonna have, and the next thing he found, he was in mummy's tummy, and that's how he explained it. Mm. A lot of them will say they've come with diff- different missions, an 8 year telling me that his family, his real family, were the mantid being. He explained, you know, the mantis-looking beings. He said, that's my real family. They're my ancestors, and when I die, that's, I'm going back to being a mantis. And he explained to me- that Awesome. And that his, his, his job here was to help people understand um, uh, animals, that they're conscious, and they're precious, and that we've got to start treating them with respect. I mean, you know, these are, not something they you know they see on cartoons this is not something they see on talk shows they don't read books on this the parents say to me we have never front loaded them we have never said anything about this uh-huh. and they will come out with it spontaneously and also uh, many of them will say that when they go on the spacecraft i remember this 8 year old who came to visit me with his mom and he said that when he went up on the spacecraft he was with two of his school friends Um, they were having some procedures done, but then they were being taught by these beings. And there were other children like them, but there were some that didn't look quite human. And I said to him, how did they look then? And he said, oh, their eyes were different. I knew they weren't the same as us, but we were taught to use our minds. We were given complex information. And so I said, well, can you tell me some about some of that complex information? No, he said, it's too complex for you.
1: Hmm. Wow, man. And so when you think about uh, any that kind of stood out to you as outlier, you know, experiences that maybe were, um, you know, shared by a couple of people in your experience, but uh, more so as like some of the potentially more fantastic, can you, uh, you know, obviously with, without violating any kind of confidence, are there any that stand out to you as kind of like uh, more uh, outlier experiences from the, from the mass?
2: I think the thing that this is leading me to is something about who we are as a, a consciousness. I think that's where it's taken me because I'm hearing more and more about those having experiences on spacecraft, that their essence, if you like, um, can sometimes inhabit one of the beings um, on board craft. And to give you an example of that, the first time I came across this eight year old who told me, that when he goes up on the spacecraft, sometimes he evaporates into a manted form, in other words, a manted body, for a time, and then he'll come back to his human body. So in mm-hmm. other words, his soul, his consciousness, um, his essence, if you like, will be operating in another form on board spacecraft. And then I heard another lady who told me she was on the board spacecraft, and I said, so what are you doing? And she said, well, actually, I'm not in my human body. I'm in a gray body, a Zeta body as a scientist, and I'm doing work with craft. And I said, well, um, so what, what's happened to your human body? She said, oh, it's just over there. She said, it, you know, it's just waiting for me. And I said, well, how do you get back to your human body? And she described this ball of light leaving the gray container or the gray body and inha- going back to and inhabiting her human body. Um, and then I've heard others say similar things. I mean, there's a gentleman in England who described exactly what this eight-year-old um, ha- happened to him in leaving and going into a, a manted body, and he said he did exactly the same thing, because his ancestry is part manted, and that's um, Simon Parks, who's a, who's a p- politician in England, ex- described exactly the same thing. Wow. I'm hearing more and more that there is a real connection between these intelligences and our soul. And I'll give you another example. One of the fascinating ones was it, when I was in the Lake District, and I was um, a family there had had their car and they'd been taken on board craft. And there was the grandmother, the mother, and two of her and two children. And when I went there, they said, We need to find out what happened. And I did uh, a regression on the grandmother first, but then the 15-year-old, um, he, he wanted to remember what was going on for him. And when he was in the uh, hypnosis, he starts having a conversation with the beings. And then he says, uh, one of the experiences, he's in his garden at home, and the spacecraft arrives with this gray being coming out to meet him. And then he says, oh, he says there's three bright orbs here. One's great granddad and one's great nana and one's his brother. And I said to him, what do you mean? He said, well, they're visiting as well. And I said, so how do you know that they're your, you know, your, your, your relatives that have passed on? And he said, oh, he says, I just know and they're saying they're with me just so I won't be scared, so I feel comfortable. And then he told me that the beings that left him at that time went back on the spacecraft but the orbs of light that were his, his relatives went back on the spacecraft too.
0: Wow. So let me ask you this, just out of curiosity, because it sounds like you're having some amazing and fascinating and intense conversations and sessions with these folk. Are, are these like recurring experiences that they're having? Is it like a single a singular abduction experience? Or for some of these people, is it an ongoing uh, experience, event, or series of events where they're constantly being taken or or returning to you know the the different body with the you know the with their same consciousness, like what does the rhythm of this look like? Are you seeing any patterns there as well, Mary?
2: It's a very good question, and that was what was very clear to me because I do hypnosis as you, as you already are aware sure. um they sure. they'd want to know maybe about a missing time episode um that going to see someone should have only taken an hour and it takes three. What happened to that two hours or whatever? So that might be the only thing they've isolated to start with about their contact with these intelligences. What's fascinating, and this is the way that I work, is when they're in that space and they may see themselves on the table having a procedure but don't know what that procedure is, I get them then to look around them and find out what kinds of intelligences um, are there with them. They'll describe them, and I'll say to them, is any of them looking familiar to you in any way? And they always seem to find one of the beings that looks familiar. Mm. Well, of course, that immediately tells me that they know that being. So I will say, now ask them how many times they've picked you up, and they will reel off without a second, um, without any kind of hesitation. Two, five, seven, fifteen, 15, da, 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 da. And they will literally reel off the times that they've been picked up. Wow. So that would be the time they've ever realized that in fact this is an ongoing thing. And then we have, you know, they can have a conversation. They can find out why they're there. And often they're told it could be a healing procedure. It put, could be collecting genetic material. It could be, and they can ask questions about cells, family. And people say, well, how can they possibly do that? Um, when, you know, at this particular time, I said, because, you know, in that space, there isn't time. There is just the experience. And this is what we're, the, one of the important things about our paradigm is that um, in, in terms of understanding that uh, time is only linear, it's something we have as a 3D consciousness. But as our multi-dimensional consciousness, time isn't linear at all, it's all now. So they can have a conversation. They get their answers. They get their understanding of why they've been picked up. You know, what is their connection to these intelligences? You know, and they'll be told a whole range of reasons why they've interacted with these beings, including, and you know, you have to go to wherever they go, including the fact that I will say to them, have you on any level consented to this? And usually they say, yes, but before I came here. In other words, it was a sole contract.
0: So that leads me to another question, um, because, I mean, it's, it's fascinating through and through, Mary, and my, my mind is, like, looking at why. Why are certain humans or people being selected and having these experiences? And that takes me to uh, one of the talking points in your book about hybrid and, you know, how you explore the concept uh, of them essentially being a new species of human. So I feel like this is a great jumping off point for you to walk us through this theory as a whole and the research that you have completed uh, to, to corroborate this. So break us off on what we're looking at there as it relates to the hybrid.
2: It's a very good question. But um, as you probably uh, know, you know, I've already said that my background is nursing midwifery. I wanted to see the tangibility as well as honor their, their experiences. And it took me right back to where our origins You know, I mean, your lost origins. It's about the origins of the species is the clue, is the most important clue, Um, and it's about our DNA. The uh, fact that we were, you know, uh, our previous hominids were Neanderthals, Cro-Magnon, others, um, and then there's this missing link. Then all of a sudden, Homo sapiens sapiens appears with twice the brain size, added 223 genes, that were a sideways insertion of genetic material, all to do with higher psychological functioning. Molecular biologists that have contacted me, um, geneticists that have noted that we appear to have had our DNA altered um, and spliced and put back together again. There's um, Lloyd Pye's book, um, The Intervention Theory, there's a geneticist there, a whistleblower geneticist that says, you know, but if I talk about this, I'll be hung up and, you know, uh, and left to left to die. Um, the bottom line is that people aren't told the truth. In fact, what comes through, if you look at mythology, you look at anthropology, you look at the the gods throughout our history that are being talked about. I don't believe there were gods whatsoever. I mean, these were, I believe, extraterrestrials visiting this planet with. With greater technology than we had and were misunderstood. You hear the Dogon tribe talking about the gods that um, actually, the numo, part human, part fish, that interfered with our and added DNA to us. This this is part of their mythology, for example. Other indigenous tribes um, talk about the star visitors coming and adding DNA to human DNA. Um, You've got Dr. Francis Crick, that also, um, you know, he was co founder of the DNA molecule, for example. He always believed that we were intelligently designed and that within our DNA, we would find the information once we understood what was actually in our DNA itself. There are uh, There's uh, more uh, understanding that possibly at least 12 different species have added their DNA to ours. I mean, some of them talk about the Anunnaki in the Sumerian text, for example, and other species of, of gods, for example, as well. So I've got no You know, In my mind, to be quite blunt, we're all hybrids, but there are some now that are relating more to the hybrid nature because they're coming in with that awareness. And I'm meeting teenagers and children, as well as adults, saying, I know I'm a hybrid, and they're connected to a particular species. It may be a species of felines, lion beings. It may be mantid, like the little eight-year-old, for example. It may be a crystalline being, it may be a reptilian being where they see themselves as a hybrid. Um, there's a whole range of them that people are saying, that's my connection to my star family. And that's what they see, that's their ancestry. They believe that many of them believe their origins come from that particular star system, for example, and they've come in human form to help with this planet and its evolution. And they're, uh, the fact that they are awake to that or sense that with their sense of mission is what I am talking about as connecting or awakening to our cosmic heritage, because that, I believe, is our heritage. It comes from the stars.
0: Could I ask you for your personal opinion on something, Mary? Yes. So, I can't help but just wonder why the entire, like, societal like resistance to talking about that missing link and how it very much appears that like you had said there's like a splicing of our dna genetic manipulation modification all the things but you had mentioned like he can't talk about it because that's it he's hanging him out himself out to, to dry or whatever um why do you think personally based on your experience in this field and the, all the, all the time that you've spent with you know, 3,500 plus human beings talking about their experiences, that we as a species, as a society are so closed off to discussing these things. Because I also can't help but feel that if we knew that this was actually our origin story, and we actually looked at some of the, you know, Sumerian accounts, uh, the accounts of uh, Mesopotamia as it relates to the Anunnaki or whatever, and let's just say that, that in this rant here, that those are actually, you know, true. And they came here because they were having issues with their planet to where they had to leave their planet to find resources elsewhere to fix or the, the situation, right, the ship or whatever. Couldn't that help us as a species kind of get things back on the rails as it relates to, you know, just the way that we've abused this planet and the things that are changing and, you know, just the the unknown future that we have as it relates to Earth? Or is there, I mean, I, I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around why we we won't talk about it because I feel like there could be some really positive outcome if we actually understood where we come from and what does it actually mean for us as a species. So I'm just really curious as to your take based on your time around this stuff.
2: Well, let's put it like this. Um, since I've got involved in this whole phenomena, one of the things it's forced me to do is re-examine all my educational beliefs, you know, my scientific beliefs, my anthropological, archeological, theological beliefs, in fact, every area of knowledge. And what I've discovered is we have in the main an edited version of the truth. And this has been going on for centuries. There are people I believe on this planet that absolutely know this. They they know the truth. And it's like um, when we look at the power that gives them, The more they understand, and the less the majority understands, the more power they have. And you know, although I, you know, I never wanted to get into the conspiracy side. um, To me, that wasn't helpful, except for I had to look at it. And I, you know, when people call them conspiracy theories, I call them conspiracy. And that actually, when you're looking at a conspiracy, you're a critical thinker. You're not allowing the mainstream to dictate what you learn and learn. And, and grow from in terms of your education I really believe that there's there's been a power struggle on this planet for millennia and the way that that power has been retained is through not telling you know the 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 everyday person the truth about who we are what we are etc cetera, etc cetera, because that maintains a power um structure on this planet that is extremely um, un, unhealthy I mean for me from the even As you say, if people knew the truth, it would change everything. It would change the way that we look at each other. It would change the way that we judge each other. It would change religion. It would change science. It would change anthropology, archeology, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, um, we're not told the truth often about our own history of our own country, for example. You know, why is that? And it's because there are things they want to keep hidden because the more you understand about who you are and what you are, The more empowered you're going to be, and the fact that we're, you know, we're given an inaccurate version means that we never really have the understanding to help ourselves, you know, um, change this planet and change what's happening. You know, it's it's like the truth embargo of the truth of the fact that in the, you know, the deep state um, shadow governments know full well we're being visited, and that you know they're doing a drip feed at the moment, saying, oh, we've, you know, the navy's saying. Oh, yeah, there are strange, you know, unidentified aerial phenomena. We, we don't know what they mean or what they are, what a load of BS that is. They fully know what it's about, and they've got craft, you know, many, many craft that have crash-landed around the globe. They also know and have had interaction with these beings, many different forms of beings too, not just, you know, the greys, for example, which seems to be the only one they talk about, or reptilians or whatever, you know, the, the, the scary, scary stuff. Um, The bottom line is that we are having many intelligences visiting us, many humanoids and and all the rest of it. If people knew this, then it would change the way they see themselves. The other thing, too, is that we're not being told um, what we are. Um, The biggest issue for me with that is, first of all, they have technology that we're not being given, or we're being drip-fed with technology. Things that came from the crime, like fiber optics, Teflon, digital chip, um, uh, night vision, are all reverse engineered from the craft. They have the ability to change the way we actually energize, you know, the, you know, we use power and energy, free energy. They've got ways to do healing, for example. But what will that do? That will change the power structure on this planet. I remember um, reading the book the day after Roswell, um, Colonel Corso, and he describes in the book how he actually met one of the greys outside a military base in, in America. And the being said to him, oh, sorry, Corso said to him, so what does that mean for us? You know, what in other words, what are we going to gain out of it? And the being said, a new world, if you can take it. And plainly, we couldn't take it, could we? Because it all of that's been shut down. My biggest issue more than anything else is the hundreds of thousands, very likely millions of people, that think there's something wrong with them, that think they're going crazy because they are afraid if they go to a psychiatrist or psychologist in present understanding, they're going to be seen as as um, mentally ill. And there are millions of people, I believe, in hospitals that are having experiences that think they are mentally ill. And I write about one story of a little, um, a 19-year-old young lady that, that finally got in touch with me and she said when she was 14 she went to the doctor and told the doctor that she was seeing aliens and he said you you know that you must be unwell and schizophrenic and put this her on a cocktail of medications three times she nearly took her own life and it wasn't till she was 19 seeing someone talk about this on a talk show that she said to me she phoned me up and said i think i'm having real experiences and it She was at this point very heavily medicated and misunderstood and and suicidal. Now, this is just one case, I reckon, of many thousands, possibly more than that, of people because the truth isn't out there. And because we don't know the truth, that many people are being misunderstood and um, are actually taking medications or think they're crazy. So for me, the big one is the truth has to come out so that this stops and that people start to realize who we are, what we are, and our potential, because these young kids coming in now are amazing, and they know the truth. I talked to a seven-year-old when I was in the US who said to me, you know, Mary, I can tell when someone's telling the truth or when they're telling lies. And I said to him, so how? How, how, do, you, how do you know that? How do you, you know, what does it make you feel? And he said, when they're lying to me, I go all cold. He said, and when they're telling the truth, I feel warm. I always know. And these are the kids coming in. So when you lie to them, they'll know whether you're lying or not. And this is why we need that, because we need to know the truth.
1: Absolutely. So thank you for opening up about that. Um, You know, and one of the other aspects of this uh, kind of stigmatizing effect that you're describing, I think, you know, that happens to a lot of different people for different reasons, different social. Uh, breaking of different social norms. Um, And one of the things that you get into is this idea of uh, new programs for humanity, including things like uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, Asperger's, different forms of uh, autism spectrum disorder. Um, So could you walk our listeners through, you know, what do you mean by new programs for humanity and, and how do these conditions play into the overall theory?
2: It's a very good um, question, an important one, and one that I got led into over a number of years because once I saw the intergenerational link, when I saw that um, people, adults were coming to me saying, I realize now this has come through my mother's side. My mother was always a bit different and my grandmother was always a bit clairvoyant or they may say granddad was always into UFOs. There's your link. As soon as you get someone um, exploring beyond the 3D world, there is a real obvious um, link to them. So, okay, so I thought to myself, so what's going on? We know there's been more sightings. We know that there's a lot more coming out now since we technologically reached a certain level. And there is a, a real sense, there's an urgency now on it, from what the message is that they get that we need to change the way that we're treating each other, but also how we're dealing with our ecology. Um, what we're actually doing is highly dangerous and, and really needing to spiritually become more aware. What I discovered was that the parents were coming to me telling me, um, oh, my kid's ADHD or my kid's autistic or got Asperger's or you know, my kid's dyslexic, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, well, how is that compatible with an upgrade? If literally I'm seeing you know the adults opening up that are a bit more aware than their parents and a bit more aware than their grandparents, why suddenly would we have dysfunctions which appear to be dysfunctions at least? It didn't make any sense until I started to explore it and find out, well, what are these dysfunctions, certainly ADHD do not function very well in a 3D educational program. They lose interest very fast and get bored very fast. So what is going on there? So what is that all about? And gradually you get these little clues, these little synchronicities that give you information. And regarding ADHD, it was a lovely gentleman in Hong Kong, um, Neil Gold, who's a researcher and experiencer, wrote the book, Close Encounters of the ADHD Kind and he talked about his interactions with the light beings. He talked about the fact that he only discovered he was ADHD in his 50s. And he said it was, Mary, I always saw reality in an expanded way. I always could make sense of the matrix that I was seeing and I knew I was seeing things differently to everyone else. And he, in fact, retranslated his ADHD into always dialed into higher dimensions. That was the clue. The clue was ADHD, do uh, they're harder to program and the only way we program them literally is to, to shut them down to um, give them ritalin or some other sedative to slow them down so they can be um, if you like programmed what i i felt and and you do this you you find yourself saying well what are the intelligences up to here what is it they that the objective and it came very clear to me that they wanted to make sure that we were no longer programmed into a limiting, limited belief system and paradigm. Because that's what happens to all of us. We get programmed into beliefs. And I I remember a nine-year-old in Scandinavia saying to me, Mary, that when you go to school, um, the teachers program you and then they just press the keys. They program you out of your light. So what happens is that 3D programming is to literally shut us down. It gets us into a program of limitedness. You're told, unless you can touch it, feel it, with your senses, it's not real. We all have intuition. We all have the abilities to access the multidimensional nature of reality. That is innate in us. And yet we're told we're not to trust it because you can't quantify in the, you know, in the left brain analytical side of you. We have a multidimensional side of us that access the matrix, that we get intuition, we get feelings, we get knowings, we get senses. People will see spirits, will see orbs, and you're told that's not real, that you're crazy if you you hear information or you get a sense of information that you haven't learned. You must be crazy, when in fact, that's actually a natural part of who we are. So what I discovered, or what I believe is going on, is these new programs make the uh, new human harder to program. They are wired differently deliberately so that they're not so easy to program into this inaccurate matrix that we're told is 3D. And, and with them, they are able to honor more of their senses. And, and one of the wonderful molecular biologists' experiences that I talk about in the book, and she's contributed to the book along with others, that have the the background of being both a scientist and an experiencer. Dr. Lena Olson, molecular biologist, she's also an experiencer. She calls them letter people, and she's one of them, part ADHD, part autistic, and said that she's tested the senses, and they're all expanded. In other words, the sense of touch is six times more sensitive. The visual acuity is, is a lot more expansive. Hearing is a lot more sensitive. Uh, and she's tested all of this from her scientific side. But as she says, she's also able to perceive the non physical realms, to actually see energy fields, uh, and also pick up information from these intelligences, which are either as downloads or a communication. And clairvoyants do it, Clairaudient, you know, the cl- those that are the clairaudient. We're g- coming to the understanding now that what we're talking about is human consciousness, which is separate although linked in this lifetime, separate to the body because it can travel out of body. Astral traveling tells us that. Remote viewing tells us that. People have out-of-body experiences. Those that have had near-death experiences have talked about being out-of-body and taking in information with their consciousness, soul, spirit. The evidence now is overwhelming that we're more than the physical container. And yet that has been shut down through the programming that says nothing beyond your senses is real. So what we're, we're seeing is almost um, a catalyst through these interactions that are showing us more of what we truly are and making sure the programs of the new um, genetic mixes do not lose that awareness because of the fact they're harder to program. So they're wired differently. And people say, well, why the, in-, you know, that they talk about indigos, crystals, all that says is they're different programs for different uh, uh, mandates. For example, the indigo is one that challenges the system, is the rebel. You've got others that have come in as healers. You've got others that have come in to ha- work with Earth energies. And I had this 17-year-old explain to me from New Zealand that he's an Arcturian ambassador, and he, his uh, ability is to change the ecosystem in, in terms of how we live, to be in harmony with the planet. That's his job, that's why he's come in and he knows about his origins and they all identify with being hybrids, which means to me is that DNA that is the ET DNA, our star family DNA is being activated and as it gets activated with these frequencies, they then connect to their hybrid origins in a far more tangible way.
0: And hot damn, Mary! I think that you teed up the next question perfectly. I know that we're we're nearing our time here, and we want to respect yours. But one concept that I want to make sure we touch on tonight is reality dysfunction that you explain in your book. Um, I would love for you to walk us through what reality dysfunction is, but then also your research around how we potentially need to evaluate or reevaluate the current model and or implement a new model of reality. So. I was hoping that you could just walk us through explaining reality dysfunction for our audience and then maybe break us off on what the the new model could or should potentially look like.
2: Well, as I say, I've touched on the fact that I believe that we have been programmed into an inaccurate reality and that problem. Um, And because of that, the materialistic mechanism, uh, scientific paradigm has done this over the last few hundred years. To the point where we doubt that aspect of ourselves that is multidimensional. When you have the fact that they're saying that we're just a physical body and that when we die, we die, for example, everything to do with exploring consciousness now is telling us the opposite. Those that are looking into consciousness, whether it's through near death experiences, shamanic experiences, you know, they may, you know, there are lots of different ways you tap into the matrix, which uh, Dr. Rudy Shield, who's an astrophysicist, calls. The the quantum hologram. We now understand that our DNA has the ability, and this is through science. Um, Russian scientists that have discovered that DNA actually operates miniature wormholes into consciousness, into if you like the, uh, the 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 consciousness we're all part of, that intelligence we all are. Whether you see that as spirit, soul, essence. Whatever it is. It's the consciousness that we're all part of. And we, we access that through literally our DNA, the holographic nature of our DNA that creates those wormholes into the matrix itself. So this is all becoming more and more acceptable as, uh, as they, the scientists look at this and realize that there's so much more to reality. And um, one of the lovely quotes um, is from Albert Einstein saying, Those that believe that they have the mandate. On truth and knowledge are shipwrecked by the laughter of the gods. And quite honestly, anyone who tries to tell you they know what reality is, quite honestly, I would worry about them because nobody has the mandate on reality. Nobody fully understands what is reality and whether we're co creators of consciousness, which I suspect we may very well be. Um, but the bottom line is, we're finally realizing that everything we've been ever taught by, you know, up to date has not been the truth about what reality is. And it's now consciousness is the, you know, the big one. And what it's saying is that what we're experiencing, we have the ability to access the matrix, to access the hologram, and to get information in numerous ways with our awareness. And these, you know, remote viewing is one of the ways we do it, out-of-body experiences. It may be through shamanic experiences. Hallucinogens are another one. I'll tell you a little story briefly. When I was speaking at Oxford University, and I, I still can't believe I actually won the won the forum. But this young student came up to me and he said, um, "Can I ask you a question?" And I said, "Sure." He said, "I've got a friend," and I laughed when he said that. <laughs> I've got a friend, um, magic mushroom. And when he took the magic mushrooms, he saw a grey. Was that genetic memory or was that real? And I laughed and I said, "I suspect it was actually real because when you take these." these altered state, go into these altered states you're seeing more of the matrix you are seeing more of our greater reality and there are many different ways that people can access us and that's one of them you know through taking ayahuasca or all these other ways are showing us the true nature of reality and it's about time you know that people were you know wake up and realize that they've been lied to and that the truth is that we're still trying to find out what is consciousness and what we are. And I certainly know that we're not tied to our physical body, um, that our phys- when our physical body dies, then we certainly still are um, a consciousness that chooses to access other realms and continues to access other realms way beyond the, the loss of our physical body. Reincarnation has shown me that through doing hypnosis, people going to other lifetimes and then experiencing in between lives where they're just consciousness or they're just light, and then they deciding to be in another form. You know, hundreds of, of, of regressions I've done, same kind of information comes through. You know, they're not all hallucinating. They're not all fantasizing. There's got to be a tangibility there. There's got to be some kind of evidence that that's a reality.
1: Well, Mary, I feel like uh, it's, uh, you know, always incredible to speak with somebody who has your diversity of experience. But I think you know, you drop that awesomeness on us right at the end. Um, you know, you could, and I couldn't help but think, you know, in your reply, you're like, well, you know, tell your friend that <laughs> this is the case. But, um, you know, some of the stuff that you're describing here about regression and, you know, the uh, sort of many things that you've learned through hypnosis, um, I you know, I'll go out on a limb here and say that I could imagine tons of uh, the Lost Origins audience would probably love to, You know dig deep into that with you in a future episode so Mm -hmm. you know we know you're very busy but um it would be really awesome if we could maybe take a a separate conversation in the future and even just talk about you know some of the hypnosis experiences and some of the things that you've learned about uh different aspects of consciousness and you know translated experiences um and i know we we kind of ran out of time today but hopefully in the future Um, we could talk to you about that.
0: Um, but, and also like, I know you, great point. I know the lost origins community and audience would love that, but like selfish me, even if, even (laughs) if we don't release the episode, maybe we
1: just get on a call and just talk for an hour about that. Just talk to us. Um, but before we, uh, before we let you go today, um, can you tell us and tell the audience, um, you know, where can they find, uh, your current work on the web or, or different social media channels? Uh, what else are you working on? You know, how can people keep up with you?
2: Well, just Google Mary Rodwell and you'll get my ACERN site, which is the Australian Close Encounter Resource Network. Um, I'm also uh, a a co-founder of the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for research into Extra and extraordinary experiences, um, which is uh, www.experiencer.org. I'm also on Facebook. So there's many different ways that you can access me and, and lots of presentations too, again, or you need to, to uh, on YouTube, you'll see where I take people and I take them a fair way down the rabbit hole, I might add, um, but that's the point. Um, in terms of the research that I'm doing, I continue to push the boundaries um, because I have to, because that's what I'm coming across. And you were talking about hypnosis. I have gone with people to parallel, li- li- parallel lives, um, to different timelines to as i say being just creator energy beings you name it there's been no limits to where i i've travelled with my clients so absolutely i'm more than happy at some point to to talk a little bit more about what i've discovered about you know, the soul and and you know what we experience awesome. so very mm-hmm. oh,
1: sorry we we lost you there so awesome. really appreciate that. And and also, um, for those who uh, want to check out your personal website, I hope you're okay with me uh, giving out that URL as well, uh, just because it is such a cool URL, uh, alienlady.com. Really cool.
0: Yeah, and we'll make sure that we link uh, to, to all of Mary's websites on the uh, media section of our website Indeed. when this episode drops. So if you're listening to this on you know, I, I Apple Podcast is what it's called now. Google Play, Spotify, whatever catcher you're using, hop over to LostOrigins.com forward slash media, scoop up this episode, and we'll get you linked up with
1: her. And you can find website. these books on, on Amazon. You can also go to AlienLady.com directly, and there's a shop section where people can uh, order each of these individual books: New Human Awakening, Expressions of ET Contact, um, in, an entire meditation CD series. Um, So there's a lot of good stuff on there uh, to check out. But Mary, thank you so much for spending time with us today and, you know, getting deep into these things. Really appreciate uh, you articulating so much of this stuff today.
2: It's been an absolute pleasure, both of you, for inviting me. Thank you. And um, hopefully we'll talk again before too long.
0: We definitely will. We look forward to getting you back on the show, Mary. Thank you so much. And uh, you have an awesome Australian morning. Thank you. Bye now. Hot damn. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as TK and I did. Um, Man, Mary is just well-spoken, but also very, very thorough in the way that she's researching and approaching these different concepts. Uh, the, The conversation as it relates to reality dysfunction was one that I just could not get out of my head. It's one that CK and I spent so much time discussing after the conversation with Mary. Just an amazing, amazing rabbit hole opened up for you. Through that conversation. So, head over to her website, make sure that you check out her books and her films, and you guys will not be disappointed. All right. So, next week's episode is going to be incredible. If you were a fan of Joseph Selby's appearance from the CPAC run this season, you are going to be stoked. Uh, Joseph Selby is coming back on the show next week to continue the conversation that we started at CPAC at the tail end of 2019. If you have not listened to that episode, go check it out. The chunk of CPAC episodes is more of a a smaller bite-sized approach to a lot of these researchers. And so you're able to jump in and get like a 35, 40-minute conversation with him as opposed to the full format of the show. Kind of like a little teaser introductory session to Joseph and his work. So you definitely want to do that to lay the groundwork and uh, do not miss next week's episode. So, um, you know, make sure that you guys smash the hell out of that. Button written five star reviews are always appreciated. Hit us up on social media. We want to know what you guys are thinking about, uh, what you guys um, want us to be looking at for future guests on the show. Um, and you know, we really appreciate you guys taking the time to do so thus far. Right, we've gotten several emails and DMs on social about different folks that you guys want us to reach out to and schedule conversations with. And also, we just need to give a huge shout out to Kevin Bailey, a recent Patreon supporter. Uh, Kevin, uh, man, we appreciate it more than we can say. So thank you so much. Super appreciate it. So make sure that you guys tune in next week for our conversation with Joseph Selby. Until then, I'm Andrew and I challenge you to question everything.